Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. There you are again, back in that kitchen. Every Friday, baby, every Friday. It's so adorable. It's like every every Friday I'm expecting this. I don't even know what to do. It's like, where are you? Funny, next Friday I'm going to go get a wild turkey and I'm going to make a dance for you. with the wind. But let's get that. That's more fun. I know, right? Listen, when we go to San Luis Obispo and we go to the San Luis Obispo Fisherman's Festival, mm-hmm. the Memorial Bay Seafood Festival, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's one of the many festivals I've been to in my career, they pull out albacore tuna right from the boat. They, they literally get the cleavers out. They chop it up. They marinate it. And then they throw these beautiful loins of fresh cut albacore on the grill. That's what you want to be eating this time of year. If you're not in Maine making lobster rolls and if you're not in las vegas i love it i love it that you said beautiful loins you it threw is. Me. it's friday afternoon you threw me into it you threw me into something crazy because on the show today i know one of my great mentors one I, I don't like to ever you know i don't ever like to give any credit unless i'm doing it in my book right but i'm telling you this man has been nothing but a gem since the day i got to las vegas and was started food and beverage magazine 20 years ago Right, he is a gem. He was the king, the king, the king. He likes to call himself what? The modern mixologist. He should be called the king of everybody because let me tell you something. Nobody has ever commanded a room like this guy, ever. I would go to the Bellagio and see him, and the play. Because remember, with Elizabeth and Grant and all of our friends there, right? Grant was the executive chef. We would go and we would see Tony. the man commanded a room, and the day he he was so friendly and so sweet to me, and he, we would judge competitions together. He taught me how not to use my fingers to pick things up, and I said, "But it's more fun when you get it and you can lick your fingers." And he looked at me like I was crazy, but I still did it anyway. And he always respected Robin, and they would talk about fine champagnes. And then all of a sudden, there comes Jennifer talking about her love affair for Tony. Am I wrong? When you drop all those names, what you're talking about is the beginning of the modern era of gourmet Las Vegas. Jeff Gordon, Elizabeth Blau, Tony Abuganim, Grant McPherson, Sirio Maccioni from Le Cirque. Let's just finish some of those last names so that when people recognize them instantly in this conversation, they'll recognize that moment where the world did a pivot and we stopped paying as much attention to the things like buffets and we started paying attention to the most exquisite examples of food and drink in the world and we were introduced to great cocktails by the modern mixologist himself tony abuganim who was brought in who single-handedly did the heavy lifting on the ground throughout much of the world himself 
a competitor and champion in things like the Bacardi Martini World Bartending Championships before they had another name. This is a man who was so influential before anybody even knew what cocktails were. And he was so generous and so patient and so charismatic. But he was also a very extraordinary, kind, caring human being. He's everybody's favorite person that knows him. And if you're lucky enough to know him, you love him. And if you're lucky enough to have him know you, well, then consider yourself very fortunate indeed. Because Tony Abigano is one of the greatest human beings of the 9 million or so that are on the planet that I have to say is really and truly one of the best. Thanks. Jimmy V even knows it. Everybody knows it. Tony and I have done events together all over the world, but he's become a very dear friend. We sat on the very first seminar panel at a little cocktail convention 20 years ago called Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah. We were on that one first panel together, dreaming like good cocktail geeks <laughs> did at the time, that someday the world would love and appreciate all the things that we do. Now, I like to say I talked a lot about it, but Tony really was the one who did a lot about it. If you can go anywhere in the world and get a great drink today, this is the man to thank. Tony, again, thank you and welcome. Uh, Jennifer, so great to be on the show with you. It's been a while. It has been a minute. Um, but we have had some great, memorable times today together, um, usually over a Negroni or a great cocktail in some wonderful city celebrating the fine love, our mutual fine love of well-made cocktails. And even more, the, the love of the hospitality industry, the, the bartender, the man, the woman behind the stick, who's not only making us a great drink, but who's making our day just a little bit brighter. And really, that is the true art of a great bartender. Tony, we had you on today, and you agreed to come on today. You've got an event coming up, and that's sort of the impetus. It's the excuse I'll use that <laughs> brought us together today. But before we go anywhere else, we are in an unprecedented time of COVID craziness and madness, where yeah. kindness is just far too short supply. We need to remember the boys and girls in this industry and what they're experiencing. So many places have closed. So many people have lost their jobs. And we're hoping with this program to re-inspire people and reignite their passion. I need you as one of our leaders in this industry to talk a little bit about how this is a moment that has a silver lining and that maybe there's a positive note in this. Well, absolutely. It, it is a very difficult time for all of us working in the hospitality industry. Um, you know, the bar, the restaurant, it is congenial. It is that social environment. It is the, the place where hospitality happens. We put smiles on people's faces. We make our guests day a little brighter, a little better when they leave than when they first walked in. And it has been difficult. I don't know if there's another industry that's been affected as adversely as the hospitality industry has. Our restaurant, Libertine Social, here at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, we've just reopened three weeks ago, but only three nights a week. And, um, you know, it's just we're, we're out there. I feel for everyone who works in this business who has been furloughed, who's been laid off, who doesn't get to do what they love to do most, and that is to serve others. That is to bring sunshine and happiness into other people's lives. So, um, this has definitely been time to reflect, Jennifer, for sure. So, Tony, tell us, is Libertine open for to-go only, or are you doing to-go cocktails, takeout? What's the dynamic that the regulations where you are are restricting your service to? 
Yeah, since we are inside Mandalay Bay, when Mandalay Bay reopened their doors, limited capacity, uh, we were one of the restaurants that also reopened. Um, but again, with a skeleton crew, uh, limited capacity in seating, and only three nights a week. But no, we don't do any takeout. It's just dine-in uh, only and, again, limited seating. But, um, you know, we're all optimistic here in Las Vegas, as the rest of the country, rest of the world is, and we move forward. And hopefully, you know, wear your mask, be safe, be safe to others. Um, and as you started this, be courteous and, and loving and, and, you know, a kind word and, and just – I wish I could hug people. You know, that's I miss hugging. So I'm sending out virtual hugs. And you are, you're a good hugger too. You've been, <laughs> you've been behind the stick for 35 years. Um, let's talk a little bit about how your role—not you personally—but how the role of the mixologist has both changed and re-emerged, if not um, stayed the same. No, I. I don't know ultimately what the role will be. Um, we're definitely living in a different time, a different culture. You know, the day of the bartender with the big handshake and the bear hug and the welcome slap on the back and how's the family and how the Golden Knights do, you know, that, I mean, that is what the bar is all about. That is what that bartender's role is all about. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, Jen. I, I hope we get back to that. One day soon, um, I think for the time being, it, it's you know, we're seeing a lot of takeout cocktails, as you mentioned earlier. Um, bars trying to maintain in some fashion, keep their staff employed. Um, I'm doing a lot more of this virtual type of thing as you are. I think this, for the, at least the near future, will be the future of the bar. And I believe if there might be a silver lining is that it's brought cocktails back into the home, back into the kitchen, back to where consumers are not intimidated to make great cocktails at home. And that's really what my show is making great cocktails at home, breaking down the myths surrounding mixology and showing people how easy it is with some proper tools and techniques to make great cocktails for themselves and their loved ones uh, at home. You've got a seminar coming up that's going to be free for everybody if they register in advance. It's called Muddled and Swizzle. It takes place on July 22nd. And those are the words that I've always associated either with island drinks or vacation drinks. And right in the throes of summer vacation, it's just what I'm quenching for. Where you are, where I am, it's well over 100 degrees. Can I tell you, I'm ready for some quenching. But before we even do that, I want you to just talk a little bit about how the bartender or mixologist is oftentimes the first person that greets you in what would be the front of the house. So help translate that on premise or at a restaurant experience or at a bar experience to what we can become at home. And some of the things we can think about as the host, when we welcome our guests and we think about how we're going to offer them something to quench them and welcome them. Absolutely. Well, I always say, Jen, as you do, that the first course of a great meal is at the bar with the bartender. I never go out to dinner without visiting the bar, saying hello to the bartender, having a Negroni or a martini, and it sets the tone for the evening. At home, we've gotten a little bit 
lax on that, on the preparation and importance of a cocktail to the overall experience. And it's become much easier to, here's a light beer or a glass of Chardonnay. But if you can craft your guests a great cocktail experience to go along with, to accompany, to enhance the upcoming meal, and you don't have to put out a full bar. For instance, I'm going to make my mojito here for you here in just a second. So maybe you're barbecuing. You're right. This is a summertime cocktail series. So the mojito is a perfect fit. Anything on the grill, a pork loin, something spicy. Uh, it's just, again, and it, it really shows another level of caring towards your guests coming to your home for uh, a wonderful experience. Well, and certainly thoughtful. And of course, the king himself, Dale DeGroff, the king of cocktails, says a cocktail is 15 perfect sips to stimulate the appetite. One parcel with the entire meal experience. What I love is when someone comes to your house, you have a signature drink. Yes. You'll give the house a chance to make a drink for you when you order a Negroni or a Martini. There he is. <laughs> I want people to imagine that through this series, they can audition drinks, learn some techniques, and discover and develop for themselves something that will become their signature cocktail. Tony, talk a little bit about how important having a signature cocktail is. Well, again, it's just elevating the experience, showing that you're guessing you really care, and they want you want it to be memorable. Oh, I was over at Tony's house and we had these fresh blueberry mojitos. They were fantastic. And I learned how to make them. And they're just so easy and they're so good and so fresh. And especially in this weather. And, you know, it, it, you create a memory. You create something that elevated that experience. And now they're excited to share it with their friends at their next soiree. Um, so if you, much like cooking, Jen, you know, if we have the basic recipes and we understand balance that we'll talk about here in just a second, then we can have fun. Like I said, I took my my mojito and I threw some fresh blueberries in them because they were beautiful at the market, muddled that up. Now I've just got a twist on a classic drink. Um, so you can do that really with any style of drink. Once you understand the basic formulas and balance, then I like I always say, drink what you like to drink. Yeah. It's like playing music. If you've got a favorite tune, how you play it doesn't sound like anybody else's. But you used to do a seminar where you had us all make the same drink from the same ingredients. <laughs> you gave us the same instructions. We all made the same drink around the room, and we all tasted it, and every drink tasted different. That was where you showed us just how much magic is involved in this, how much of ourselves ends up in this. I want to tell everybody that in these series of classes that you're doing, you're selling and preparing a kit for someone to make these with, and that you also have all the tools. I didn't get a chance to get the kit because we were sold out for this class, but you can still come and take the class. But what we're going to do today, Tony, is we're going to substitute or um, improvise on some of the things because you don't need the kit necessarily to make it to this class. You you can go and get the stuff. We can recreate the kit. So you can even if you even if you're doing what we do here today, you can sign up for this class on the 22nd and order the next one the next time they come around next month. Jen, Jen, Jen I put the link in the comments for our viewers. So if you're watching okay. on Facebook or you all the different five Facebook channels yep. or YouTube, you'll be able to see in the comments where to sign up. You should be able to click on it. 
where to sign up for this for Tony, which I think Michael, would be amazing. Before he starts uh, explaining and showing us the tools we're going to use today, can you zoom in, in, in on him? People don't need to see me. They need to see him because I want – not me, silly. I want <laughs> them to be able to see exactly what we're recreating and what he's teaching us today. There he is. All right. Should we get started then? Um, Absolutely. Go ahead. Because like, like Jen mentioned, making drinks at home is just a lot more fun and easier with some simple tools, some of the basic tools. We'll talk about some of those basic tools. But muddling and swizzling is part of the summertime cooler series um, that we're doing. And we're going to do this every month. So if you join on the 22nd, you can come in for free. We'll have another kit next month and the following month and every month moving forward. So gradually you'll go ahead and inquire all the tools and you'll have a very, very well-stocked bar. So muddling and swizzling. Muddling is a, a, a technique. I would say that some type of a synthetic or a hardwood muddler. Again, this is from my line, the modern mixologist.com. Uh, we sell the synthetic muddler. We also sell a hardwood muddler. So a good muddler for old fashions, for caipirinhas, and definitely for mojitos. So when you muddle, do you muddle in the glass that you're going to be serving the drink in, or do you do them by the batch, or what? where do you muddle? That's a great question. I like to muddle. It's called building in the glass. So I'm going to build this mojito in the glass that I'm going to serve it in. But some people like to build it in a shaker, shake it, and strain it into the glass you're going to serve it in. But this is the way I've been doing this drink for boy, over 25 years. And this was the drink that we introduced at the Bellagio when we opened in 1998 here in Las Vegas. And at that time, the mojito wasn't that well known of a drink. It was still kind of uh, a unique drink to most. So when we introduced this, uh, people had a, took a moment for them to adapt, but it's still the way I make it today. And you ready to make it with me? I am. And I've got my glass. I'm actually using a slightly bigger glass and I don't have a muddler. What can I use in my house to muddle with if I don't have a synthetic muddler yet? Yeah, well, I'm going to get you one of those, but uh, you can use like a wooden spoon. Okay. Um, depending on the size of the glass, uh, you can use a uh, wooden rolling pin. I have a wooden rolling pin here. Um, again, just be careful not to get too aggressive with the rolling pin because we don't want to shatter our glass. Uh, but I am surprised that you don't have, you of all people, Jen, don't have a muddler. <laughs> I have a muddlers, but for the purpose of this, I'm pretending that I'm somebody in the audience that's having to learn what, what can I do, if, how can I improvise if I don't have it? All right. Well, I'm starting off with a 14-ounce Collins glass. Uh, 14 ounces is about the right volume for the proportions that we're going to use. Well, that's going to be about seven, six or seven inches tall, skinnier, tall, skinny glass. Exactly. And a little key here, the thinner the glass, the better, because we're going to use crushed ice when we make this. The crushed ice is going to react with the rum and the thinness of the glass. And as the drink sits and comes together, it'll start to frost on the outside and just get really, really sexy. So Again, the thinner the glass, the better. Now, I've already prepared my mint sprigs and my mint leaves. So I've got all my mise en place for making the drinks. And if you're doing this at home and you're entertaining, do the mise en place in advance so that 
when it comes time to make the drinks, they go really quickly. So I'm just going to take a small handful of mint leaves only. And why mint leaves only, Jen? Well, I believe that they have the best flavor because that's where all the oil is. That's exactly right. We want those essential oils from the mint leaves. And the stems of the mint, when you crush them, actually turn bitter. They're so bitter. we don't want any bitterness. So I got about 12 or 15 nice sized leaves in there. Um, now to this, we're going to add one ounce of fresh hand extracted lime juice. And I, I always recommend one of these lime squeezers because as you know, limes are the most fragile of all citrus and they'll start to oxidize in about 20 minutes after you squeeze them. So by squeezing it a la minute, I'm ensuring the freshest possible juice. And I was going to say, with regard to the mint stems, another aspect is you can't batch a bunch of lime juice in advance. But our good friend, H from Elixir Bar in San Francisco, is the partner of a new venture called Fresh Victor. And I actually am going to cheat a little and use his Fresh Victor lime juice. I've got jalapeno in lime cucumber and lime and for this beautiful drink i'm using three um mint and and lime oh so you have a mo mojito in the jar ready to go <laughs> well i've got this the fresh squeezed juice and a little bit of mint so i'm going to enhance my mint with this well h is a dear friend and his uh, products are fantastic so if you can get your hands on some of the fresh victor it's uh hpp juice so it's um very very fresh and well pasteurized so you you, another way, if you're especially doing a large group, um, right. you can use that. Now, speaking of limes, when you go to the store, just don't grab limes. What you're looking for is a Persian lime, uh, a 220 count, which is the size, one that has a nice dark green color to it, that has a thin skin, and that's soft and pliable. Now, I know a lime this size is going to yield me almost every time one ounce of juice, and that's what we're after. So I'm gonna, gonna, we're going to slice them in half through the equator of the lime. I'm going to use your juice on this one, and I'll use the. All right. So you a jigger. I'm just going to go ahead and measure and see if I'm right. I thought I was uh, wrong once, but I was mistaken. Um, <laughs> and there you have it, exactly one ounce of juice. So I'm a fan of using the jigger. A jigger is a form of measurement. Uh, again, this is from my line. The small cone is called a pony, which measures one ounce. So I really like to use this when I'm measuring sweet and sour elements um, because too much lime juice, the drink will be tart. Yeah. Too much simple syrup, the drink will be too sweet. Too much rum, the drink will be perfect. <laughs> Speaking of simple syrup, the reason it's called simple syrup is it's so simple to make. It's just equal parts granulated sugar, and water. What I do is I bring the water to a boil. I dissolve the sugar. I let it cool to room temperature. I bottle it. I refrigerate it. And through the beauty of television, you have something that's going to last a month refrigerated. Although, Jenna, it never seems to last that long at my house. Not that long anywhere, babe. <laughs> so, again, one what? ounce. So, you notice the equation here. One to one. So any sweet and sour drinks, a sour, a Collins, French 75, if you remember that one-to-one -one equation, one part sour, one part sweet, your drinks are going to come out spot on every time. 
Now, Jen, you had mentioned earlier about the oils in the leaves of the mint, and we want to release those. So using our muddler, we're just going to, like a mortar and pestle, we don't want to tear up those mint leaves. We just want to release all that oil and get it acquainted with the lime juice and the simple syrup. All right. You don't have to pulverize it. You don't have to beat it. Remember, the muddler is a magic wand in the cocktail realm. It takes the love and intention that you have to make a perfect drink for your guests and transfers all that intention. That's the magical alchemy of these cocktails, as you brilliantly wrote about in The Modern Mixologist and in all your books, frankly. You, you bring that sense of really being a wonderful host and really being in service, whether it's in a, in a public house or at your own home. Thank you very much, Jen. That's, uh, that's very kind. I'm, uh, I'm excited. And one other thing that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had a little free time on my hands and I've started on a new book that I'm very, very excited about. So oh, cool. hopefully uh, a year from now, uh, we'll tease it a little later. I, <laughs> okay. um, I I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the importance of ice. And in drinks like a mojito, in drinks like um, of a smash, uh, mint juleps, you need crushed ice. So this is called a Lewis bag. It's a canvas bag. The reason it's canvas is that as we crush the ice, any water from crushing it will be absorbed by the canvas because we want dry crushed ice in our mojito not to dilute the drink. Now, if you don't have a Lewis bag at home, um, a kitchen towel, as long as it's not terry cloth, will work fine. You just put the ice in there. But I'm going to, since I do have a nice Lewis bag from the modern mixologist here, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and fill that up with really nice, hard, dry, cold cube ice. Um, that is the, the key in any drink preparation is you want the ice to be as hard, as cold, and as dry as possible so as not to, again, water down the drink. So now, dilution is where the ice begins to what you call break. You don't I, have a, I have an alert. I have an emergency alert that H will be coming on very shortly. I we, He's having a Yeah, he's, he's here, but he's, he seems to be having technical. Oh, wait a minute. There he is. There, that, that, all right, well, there's his bar, Tony. That's a good start, right? There's his bar. Brother H. Hey, right. guys. You came right at the right time. We're, we're crushing ice. <laughs> I thought you were killing fish. <laughs> all right. Like I said earlier, the crushed ice is going to react with the rum and the thin glass to help frost the outside of the drink. I always say the mojito is the drink that actually improves in the glass. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely, especially with all that goodness at the bottom of the glass. Eight, you know, we selected. We're going to use your uh, citrus and, and mint for this. We're sort of modifying the mojito. I have the cucumber lime, and I've certainly got this wonderful jalapeno in lime, but I really was feeling minty today because this is one of those mojitos that Tony and I were inspired when we went down to Puerto Rico together for a Bacardi adventure many years ago, 
we went on a quest for the world's greatest mojito, and I still think the one that Tony makes is the best in the world. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. That's like I said, this is a recipe I've been using for 25 years, and um, probably our good friend uh, Dave Nepo had a little uh, influence on me uh, when he was working at Enrico's, and they really celebrated and brought the mojito back into a public eye, the bartender's eye. So now I'm using a light-bodied rum. By all means, whatever rum you have at home is fine. Uh, here I'm just going to let that seductively drizzle over that crushed ice. Oh, wow. So about an ounce and a half. And now what we want to do again is bring it all to, oh, if you've got a little Havana Club three, uh, three ions, that's uh, <laughs> all the better. So now using your long-handled bar spoon, we're going to pull that min up from the bottom so we get all that wonderful flavor because the yummies are up here, the mint's down here. We just need to get them well acquainted. Now you'll notice, Jen, yep. the ice is going down in your glass. Yep. So we're going to want to add a little more crushed ice. Mm -hmm. so you can almost make a snow cone. Yep. And a big mistake people make, in my opinion, on mojitos is with soda water. They, they want to add way too much soda water. You only want to tickle the drink with a little bit of soda. Um, I love Q mixers because they have this really, really strong carbonation. So, and a little tip. Always get the small bottles and always make sure you keep them very cold. Remember, ice keeps a cold drink cold. So we're just going to tickle that with our soda. Give it one last push with the spoon to incorporate the soda. We don't want to dissipate all those beautiful bubbles. And a little tip on garnish. If you put your sprigs upside down in some cool water, it'll keep them very uh, lively. This is where you don't have to take it off the stem. This is where the sprig of the mint and the stem can actually help you. <laughs> Listen, I have to say, what a treat it is for a girl like me to have two of my favorite cocktail guys in one glass, in one moment. H from Fresh Victor. Thank you for doing this. Tony, uh, H is going to be on with us making drinks with us next week because we're going to do a two-week extravaganza because we want everyone, if you're going to be locked at home and you're not having to drive and you got people with you that you want to delight, we want you to make the best sips possible. And when you can't imagine what great fresh mixers, juices, and sips actually taste like, we're going to get you there. Thanks to Tony Abuganum and H. H, I just want to say congratulations on this line. I know you know Tony really well. I know we've all been around a long time in this in this game. We're excited about this. Talk a little bit about drinks like mojitos, where this is exactly probably what you invented them for. Oh, that's yummy. That's very yummy. I'm oh, not yeah. I actually found that we we. Our three citrus and mint has uh, has fresh leaves in it that are uh, actually from close to the farm, and uh, so it's the one product in our line that that has some solids in it, which you'll notice it'll, that it'll settle, and so it gets a little shake. And those are actually mint 
leaves that are that are get it, get in there. So it's a bit of a unique twist on a on a mojito in that it's the three citrus. We've got lemon, lime, and orange in there, but um, it makes an excellent mojito. So in this little commercial, I'm making my mojitos the way Tony has today. In this little break between the two cocktails we're making with Tony today, guys, would you each talk about how important fresh squeezed juice is? <coughs> Well, I'm I'm surprised we still have well, to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, when we opened Bellagio in 1998, it was very rare to uh, to see anything prepared with fresh squeezed juice, and I think Bellagio really kind of set the the bar, if you will, for the use of fresh juice in cocktail. Up to that point, at least in Las Vegas, and I came from San Francisco, there were a few places doing fresh in San Francisco. But even nationally, the fresh movement hadn't really taken hold like it has today. Today, it's, I think, a moot point. If you're not using fresh juice in your cocktails, um, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. What, you know, when I, uh, I opened in 2003, I was just saying, what, what you're making available to the consumer with Fresh Victor as, as well as on-premise uh, just makes it so much easier for people to make delicious cocktails at home utilizing fresh juices. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly the, that's exactly the aim with it. You know, I opened the Elixir in 2003. I didn't open with fresh juices and I made my change and making that change was not only the game changer for my business, but it was the beginning of the of a, of a game changing moment in in cocktail culture and in San Francisco in particular. Tony and Dale coming month or once every two months back then um, were were a huge influence on an entire generation of bartenders. And when I got the opportunity out and and go uh, travel to Square One and train bartenders, I always say I was doing what Tony was doing. We were we were out teaching people how to squeeze limes and mix it. It was really the, the basic. And uh, when it all took off, I just said, they listened. <laughs> yeah. You know, message on top of the idea that being a bartender can be a, a, a lifelong career and a rewarding one. That those, the H, we're having a little technical difficulty. H is going to be on with us mixing drinks for Elixir next week. We'll see you, man. Thanks so much for the juice, and we can't wait till next week. Tony, that was a little surprise for you. There, Jennifer, I, I dumped him, just like you told me to do. When they have technical – she told me, Tony. She said, when they're technically difficult, dump them. I was like, whoa, just dump them? She goes, dump them. Well, I, I love H, and I, I love Elixir, uh, you know. H and I, we, we do a lot of events together. He's a big supporter of my charity, the Helen David Relief Fund. Um, Jennifer, you know, uh, assisting bartenders and their families who have been affected by breast cancer. And he's been a big, big supporter of that uh, with the United States Bartenders Guild. And we've ridden bicycles together. And, uh, you know, it's just he's a, he's a dear soul and a dear friend. So it was a, you, you made my day when he popped up. <laughs> and, and he's making some great juice. Michael, zoom in on what Tony's created because he's really got the perfect mojito on his station. Tony, tell us a little bit about glass selection for something like this. 
when we talk about signature drinks, it's everything from the glass to the ingredients in the glass to the way that you serve it, how you serve it, when you serve it. It's all the dimensions of how one can become a signature cocktail host in their own home. And that's what we're kind of inspiring. Will you talk a little bit about what you have crafted in front of you there? No, absolutely, Jen. And it, it really is. God is in the details. And so is a great cocktail in the details. And you touched on everything from, from ice to glassware to garnish to straws to beautiful picks for olives and cherries uh, to coasters to all these things that just up your cocktail game. Bill Kelly wrote a great book in the 40s called The Roving Bartender. And in this book, he, he speaks to the importance of glassware. He says, there was a time prior to prohibition when you would go into a saloon, you would order a cocktail for 12 and a half cents that was served in a glass that cost $6 a dozen. So if in comparison, you can see how important glassware was to bartenders of that era. And a glass just makes the drink, a, a, you know, a Drink just tastes better in the proper glassware. So if you're still making your martinis in old juice jars, um, you know, you get the little jam jar that the Fred's, the Wilma's, the Barney's, throw those away and buy some beautiful crystal glassware. Promise you, your drinks will just taste better and you'll feel better about serving them to your guests in a great glass. So you've got that beautiful mojito as a demonstration of the muddling technique. Talk a little bit about how you can adapt that muddling technique with other fresh herbs we might have in our summer garden, with other cocktails we might use the mint and lime with. Start making me think laterally how these techniques that you're giving us can be used in, in lots of different ways. Absolutely. Um, I like to say I don't arm wrestle with Mother Nature. When she gives me a beautiful strawberry, I'm going to work with that strawberry. When strawberries are shipped across the ocean and they were picked green and, you know, they don't have that flavor. But when they were fine ripe in Michigan in the summertime, and is there a better combination than basil, strawberry, and maybe a little balsamic, um, aged balsamic? You love to eat that. Why not love to drink it? Um, In that wonderful book, uh, The Modern Mixologist, there's a drink in there called the 323 which I created when I was a partner with Jason Denton in, at Bar Milano in New York City. And it, it utilizes those ingredients. And, and again, muddling any fresh herbs, fresh berries, a way to extract flavor. So one of my favorite things to do is to take a simple Collins, lemon juice, simple syrup, gin, and soda water. Now, all of a sudden, you introduce some fresh red raspberries into that, muddle those, extract that beautiful flavor, shake it up real well, double strain it through a tea strainer, and you have this beautiful, beautiful fresh red raspberry gin Collins that's just delicious, and it just screams of summertime. So think seasonally, drink seasonally. One of the things I did in preparation for this session is I took one of my favorite summer salads. In fact, I made it for dinner last night. It was tomatoes, peaches, and basil. Super simple, ridiculously delicious. I put it on a slice of Italian bread that I grill on the uh, fire grill so that it has a nice charred crust. And literally the the tomatoes and the peaches together with the basil, olive oil, salt, pepper, and a kiss of balsamic, that's really all you need. But I took the peach 
the tomato and the basil and I muddled them together. So you get this very complex oh, yeah. sort of flavor. And I put a little vodka and club soda with that. And it was just like a savory mojito. I'm, I'm getting very thirsty over here, Jen, just thinking about it. Uh, it was, it was, oh. oh, it was really super delicious. Oh, boy. Who do you think it is, Jen? Who's what famous celebrity is calling Tony right now? <laughs> Sorry who, about that. Who could <laughs> it? around. The other thing I wanted to give you a chance when we're talking about muddling and swizzling, I'm noticing we're using rum today. Yeah. Rum is one of the absolutely classic cocktail ingredients, whether you're doing a single drink or a batch in a punch. It dates back to well before colonial times. It has a very long history, especially in the Americas. Talk a little bit about rum and how this time of year is especially ripe for rumness. Absolutely. I mean, rum has got to be the most diverse spirit category there is. There are more styles of rum available. Virtually, I mean, the Caribbean is the epicenter of rum production, but rum's being produced in much of the world. Um, anywhere we can get our hands on sugarcane, uh, either fresh pressed uh, in the French islands, uh, rum agricole or molasses, most of the other rums. But you have aged rums, you have silver rums, you have light-bodied rums that have been distilled exclusively in a column still. You have heavy, full-bodied Jamaican rums that we're going to use in this next drink that combine both pot and column distillant. So, you know, aged in the Caribbean where it's so hot and humid, it just brings all this richness to the rums. And then, you know, you have flavored rums and spiced rums. Um, my probably best-known cocktail the cable car features uh spiced rum so jennifer he's very famous for that for the cable car you're aware of that <laughs> one of my favorite drinks i'm just yeah. wanting to know that's one of that's on his on his resume it's on his resume he's very famous for that i don't know who you think you're talking to jen but he's very famous hey tony talk to me about why this dark rum is so dark oh that's yummy um it's super good can I tell you one little little trick I did too? Because I couldn't resist. Because I can't leave well enough alone, but you know me. Why and would you? <laughs> I had to throw seven or eight peppercorns into my simple syrup because if I'm using peppermint, I thought, why don't I add a pepper simple syrup in as well? And all that did is it increased the sort of, I, I want to say that volatile excitement of the simple syrup in the drink. Well, we're going to use bitters in this next drink. And that's really what you're saying, Jen. There's these little nuances, these little layers of flavor that they don't smack you over the head, but they just make things a little more complex. Um, you know, you have an old fashioned that's made with and without bitters, and the one that's made with bitters is going to just be a little more interesting, a little more complex. Uh, and that's really what you're talking about. Simple syrups are a great way to have fun and add flavor. I make a lot of simple syrups out of teas I like. So where tea can sometimes Google be a little bit too much on its own, when you make a syrup out of it, uh, it just becomes, um, you bring that flavor of the tea in a very concentrated fashion, plus the sweetness. So you kind of kill two birds, kind of like what you did with the peppercorns. Hey, Tony, let's, I've always talked to people about Angostura bitters 
or any bitters for that matter, it's kind of like the baking powder of a cocktail. It just lifts the whole drink up. It's like if you left baking powder out of a biscuit, it wouldn't be as light and fluffy. Whereas if you add the bitters to a drink, it just makes the whole, it just really enhances and lifts the whole drink up. Yeah, I always say that bitters are the salt and pepper of the cocktail world. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a, that another little element, that another bit of complexity. And, and yes, uh, as you said, Jen, it lifts it up uh, to new heights. And that's what we're going to do here with this next drink. This is, uh, are you ready to swizzle with me? Yeah, and I want to remind everybody that you have an extraordinary free cocktail class coming up on July 22nd. It's called Muddle and Swizzle with the modern mixologist, Tony Abugana. You can register. We've got the link in the site for you. And the drinks that you'll make are really quintessential summer classics. And there's a kit you can buy for future classes. But for this one, we're going to show you and make a list of everything you need because everything to make this drink is either in your house or easy to get. That's the other thing we love about the way you mix you don't make us buy really esoteric things that are outrageous. Everything that you have us mixing with, most of us already have either in our stock bar or in our kitchen. And that's the idea. You don't want to break the bank um, with the tools and glassware. You know, add gradually. You know, get yourself a nice cobbler shaker or a Boston shaker. Um, once you have those tools, you know, then you need a long-handled spoon. Um, a beautiful julep or hawthorn strainer, uh, one of each actually is a good addition. And buy high quality stuff. You don't have to buy my stuff, but if you do and you mention Mod Mix VIP, uh, I'll give you fifteen percent off. Sweet. So, <laughs> yeah, no touch, and it comes right to your house. There you go. Um, now we're going to start off. This is a swizzle. Swizzles, yeah. we were talking about rum. We're talking about the Caribbean. In the Caribbean, they swizzle everything. And the style of drink swizzle, something we do at Libertine Social, the restaurant here in Las Vegas, a whole family of swizzles. And you can make them individually, but we also make them by the pitcher. So oh, just multiply the recipe, get yourself a pitcher, and then you can make a pitcher of swizzles, put it on the table for your guests to help themselves. So so that really, culture that comes from in the Caribbean, is that a Jamaican thing, a rum swizzle? Or is it a Barbados thing? It's pretty much throughout the Caribbean. Um, the swizzle sticks that I have that um, we sell on our website came from my good friend Ray Edwards, who uh, is the master mixologist over at Angostura Bitters, and just a wonderful gentleman. So depending on hurricane season, these are a tuber. So they grow throughout the Caribbean. And they just clip the root cluster uh, into five prongs. And this is what we swizzle with. This was the predecessor to what we know today as a swizzle stick being served with a long drink. Um, but this is the original swizzle. So this cool. one, yeah, it comes from the Caribbean. So if you don't have one of these, you could use a long-handled bar spoon um, because the idea behind swizzling is Almost like you were on naked and afraid and you're trying to build a fire. Um, and, and part of what you're trying to do with this is froth the drink up. You're adding aeration to it. You're amalgamating the ingredients in such a way as to create a certain result, right? Exactly. Um, I read that somewhere in I don't know what book uh, that you swizzle tell us frothing and foaming. 
I've swizzled until my my hands were raw, and I haven't been able to get it frothing and foaming. Uh, but again, with the crushed ice, with the rum, with the thin glass, as I swizzle, the reaction will frost the outside of the glass. I don't know if you can see here how sexy this is with the frosted glass uh, on our mojito. Right. Zoom in for, for us, for everybody to see Tony's glass. <laughs> Let me see. Have the taste. Mm. Oh, that is yummy. Mm. And it's actually getting better. The mint's coming out a little bit more. The rum, beautiful. Everything in balance. Crushed ice. Tony, what is Swizzle's tradition? Is it at a certain time of year or where is it from? Or is it an all-year drink? It's it, Well, again, we serve them all year uh, long here in uh, Las Vegas. We go to more brown spirits. Um, we might do a whiskey Swizzle. Uh, we do aged rums, all with aged rum um, during the winter months. But yeah, we do it. Uh, we do it all year round. We actually do a split base with our house-made spice whiskey and an aged rum. So you can, you know, you can experiment. You can have fun once you again understand the basic recipe and the balance to the drink. Have fun. So. If you're ready, we're going to go ahead and start with that one ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice again. And I'm just going to go ahead and squeeze that right into the glass. Now, we were talking about... Tony, you have a live audience. I just want you to see. He's, he, didn't even know, he didn't even know he was on. But look at that thing. But he, but he looks more clear now, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Uh, he looks more handsome. He's clear. We hear him. He called Comcast. He said Tony was on. And Michael's on, and Jennifer's on, and this, I have got to make this thing work. Right Damn in. you, Comcast. <laughs> We're making a, a, a basic rum swizzle. Uh, so what we've got now, we've got one ounce of fresh-squeezed lime juice in our 14-ounce glass. We talked a little bit about different sweeteners and putting some flavor notes in the simple syrup. This is called Demerara syrup. And really what it is, it's made the same way as a simple syrup. But I'm using turbinaro or raw sugar, which is going to just have a little more richness, a little more character, a little more flavor to the drink that will stand up better to our aged Jamaican rum, that big pot still rum. And Tony, I'm going to show a, a close up. My uh, our Demerara uh, simple syrup has a really dark color to it, it has a very right. complex flavor, great chord note of flavor. Um, and it's really robust and delicious, but it adds a root note, an anchor note of the sweetness. It really grounds the drink, doesn't it? Yeah, and again, with Jamaican rum and, and that almost a little bit of funk uh, that you described more elegantly than funk. But remembering our equation of one-to-one, -one, yep. we have one ounce of lime and one ounce of our Demerara. Now, at this point, I would go ahead and prepare a little more crushed ice. I don't know if you made enough for both drinks. I'm going to crush just a little bit more. Um, you can see that I'm starting to absorb a little bit of the water that from the ice sitting in here. Because, again, we want very dry, crushed ice so we don't water down our swizzle. All right. You ready, Jen? Yep, I am, sir. I'm going to use this julep strainer, which doubles nicely as a – Ice scoop. We'll go ahead and fill that up. 
Now we're going to add our rum once we have the glass full. So my recipe on these type of drinks, 2-1-1. Two parts strong, one part sweet, one part sour. So two ounces of our Appleton Estate rum, beautiful Jamaican rum. And now it's time to swizzle. So again, if you don't have a swizzle stick, grab your long handle bar spoon or an egg beater and put that right in there. And then just start swizzling away. Oh, so much fun. And I guarantee you, if you do this at home for your guests, they're going to be like, what are you making? And then they're going to taste it and they're going to be like, oh. That's why right. that. you know, this, this is actually a really good time, Tony, to, to talk about why certain things are done certain ways, why that extra effort is actually worth it. This is such a great example of why this is worth going that extra step for. Talk a little bit about not only what you're doing, but the result that it gives you and why you make this extra effort. Well, again, it's a, it's a classic technique. You know, you know, there's all, they're shaking, they're stirring. Certain drinks require certain techniques, the muddling, the building, um, proper rice, proper proportion, proper glassware. All of these elements add up to a superior drink experience. But it's in this case, you know, you're really you're paying homage to um, an art. Someone came up with swizzling in the Caribbean. And, you know, for a lot of my career, I wasn't really familiar with swizzling. And then visiting the Caribbean and meeting some of these people and the Trinidad uh, culture when I was there, in the Queens Park Swizzle, which was created at the Queens Park Hotel, in Trinidad and it became one of my favorite drinks and really got me excited about the whole concept of swizzling. And like I said, to be able to get their traditional swizzle sticks and be able to share that either with your guests at your establishment or in your home. And something that's really fun to do when oh, you're hosting wow. a party is, you know, I've just shown people how to make it. Now let them come in and be the bartender put out all the ingredients they need and they make their own cocktails, which is a fun element to the party itself, but it also allows you to get out of the kitchen and visit with your friends and not spend the whole time making swizzles. <clears throat> all right. So now I've got that beautiful mound of ice. You can see the glass is starting to frost on the outside. We're going to just add a couple dashes of Angostura bitters right on top. And that'll be the, crowning jewel. Now, so we can clear this up. What is a dash? Well, a bottle of Angostura bitters, and if you have one bitters, it should be Angostura. I agree. Has a dasher in it. So a dash is not that. A dash, that is a dash. So I don't want to dash quite that violently, but that's what I want is one dash floating on top of that Beautiful crushed ice. All right. Oh, wow. And then again, bringing just a little bit of mint. And I've got these beautiful paper straws. And I, I always, I'm not a huge fan of serving straws with most mixed drinks. But if the drink contains crushed ice, then I always recommend serving a paper straw. 
And there you have just a classic, simple rum swizzle. Tony, I'm going to lift mine up. Mine's got the dark rum, and you use the Appleton Estate, which is why mine looks so dark. And I used it, that Damarara sugar with my simple syrup. So I got a little bit darker going on. But I want to say, let's make a toast. To everybody in the industry who's with us today, this was for you. Be inspired. Make great drinks for your friends and your family at home. And, and keep the spirit of the conviviality, which is what we do, who we are, alive. Tony, here's to you. Cheers to you, Jennifer. Much happiness. Mm, delicious. Oh, I, I got to back up and kiss myself. That's so yummy. I, I forget how good these are. <laughs> right? And how simple is that? Um, you have four ingredients in the right proportion, in the right balance, in the right glass, with the right ice, with the right people. Like I said, happiness, Jen. Talk about the uh, classes that you're doing on the 22nd and then throughout the uh, rest of the summer. Yeah, we're doing them every month. Um, so we'll notify you on the August and September dates. The one coming up on the 22nd, muddled and swizzled. Summertime entertaining as we go into fall. Like I said, I like to, if it's seasonal, I like to put it into drinks. So we'll start sw switching gears as we go into fall. And then as we go into the winter months, the celebratory months around the holidays, around the first of the year, hopefully the end of COVID, um, things to celebrate. We'll be do doing holiday drinks and things like that. So just going to take you on a journey tied in with the seasons once a month. And by the time you're going to have a really well set up bar, if you join me for three or four or all of the sessions, I've got return people coming back this class that got certain tools from the last class and it's uh it's a lot of fun and some of the, my favorite people that attended the first class had three or four people over their house and they were all making drinks together with me so they made it into uh not only a little fun educational class but a little cocktail party as well Hey, Tony, you'll remember back a long time ago at one of the early um, Tales of the Cocktails events, I did a seminar called The History of Bar Snacks. I'm one of those people who believes that in any situation, your first flavor impression is often the, the house bar snack. Even before the drink comes, you might take a bite of a peanut or a chip. When we talk about great bar snacks, it's a lost art. I think that in this time of COVID, we could completely reinvent and revive the bar snack tradition. What if we use this as a bar snack? <laughs> oh, I know, right? It makes everything taste better. But Tony and H, do you know that Jennifer in, the, in this COVID time has been working on biorobotics? And she has created something for the bar. And I know, Tony, you are going to be shocked when you see this. H, you're going to have to carry that elixir, right? I mean, this is, look what she's done. <laughs> Bar stacks, and she's actually created a condiment robot. Jennifer, <laughs> do you want to get into that and tell us how you did this? Well, I'm a mom, as you know. I've got an 11-year-old son, and we're, like, all about the drone. But when you try and drop a, a condiment from a drone height, it's very messy. So we had to go back to Robotics 101 to this. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm going to ask you a question for a, for a rum swizzle. What is the what is the thing we could serve at home? Uh, right now, I have to tell you, I'm tasting 
a spicy Italian sausage grilled outdoors, crispy skin on the outside, served mm. on a pick. Might be the perfect little nibble to go with something like this. What do you guys, what would you serve with this rum swizzle? Well, you're absolutely right. It needs something spicy. I think spicy anything, chicken wings would be delicious with this, with a jerk rub on them. If you ever had jerk chicken, uh, you know, you could do jerk chicken wings, anything like that, spicy sausage. Uh, oh, a taco, actually, a tiny, <laughs> a spicy fish yeah. taco would I was, be good. I was just going to say, I just made a batch of carnitas, and that cocktail would go really well with my carnitas. Oh, nice. Carnitas, yes. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's screaming out to quench some spice. That sounds great. And on the mojito, when you have a drink that has a sweet spirit in it like rum, and you augment that further with a simple syrup or a preparation like the ones that we've been making, um, how important is it to balance the salty, spicy components with, with a sweet drink? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, a mojito just with some – I make these uh, pecans that I do a little bit of um, – Cayenne pepper, a little salt, a little powdered sugar, and they just they got that salty, spicy, sweet little bite. And then with a, something like a mojito, chase that down. Simple and just irresistible. <laughs> hey, uh, Tony, what is the bar snack at Liverpool? We, we do a, a, a mixed nut. We do uh, what we call our uh, – we do an olive that we stuff – with feta, and then we wrap it in lamb sausage and deep fry it. Like a, it's called a scotch olive. Wow! It's, it's like this scotch egg, but it just again you get the saltiness of the olive, you get that spiciness of the lamb sausage, uh, and then the richness of the feta cheese, and it's just a perfect bite, especially with either of these drinks. Well, Any, anything, Jennifer, anything, anything scotch, it reminds me of the scotch mist. Do you know the scotch, Tony? Do you know the scotch mist, Jennifer? Do you know the scotch, the scotch mist? I mean, with the hair, the oh. Grand McPherson hair, that every man in the world wants to still have, and he knows it. Hey, Tony, what was the bar snack at the Brass Rail? <laughs> well, I think it's whatever chips you like to have. Uh, the salt and vinegar are probably the most popular, but uh, there's no uh, bar snack that's actually put out. But, um, yeah, the Brass Rail is a straight bar, no food at all. Um, so, really, it's, it's just peanuts, bag chips, things like that. Uh, all of those things traditionally are great bar snacks because they're salty and they make you want to have another sip and then ultimately hopefully another drink or two. By the way, I just wanted to mention, Tony, I've, I've taken a couple of sniffs of this swizzle. And I'm really struck by the by the wonderful waft of vanilla notes off this uh, rum mixture. But you, again, you've got that aged rum. So you've got an old rum that spent time in barrels. Those oak barrels are going to contribute that vanilla note. And especially in the Caribbean where maturation it happens so, so fast because it's so warm and humid down there. So it pulls a lot of that character that you're describing from the oak barrel itself. And Again, in this style of drink, beautiful with the Angostura bitters to bring that spicy nutmeggy thing. Hey, I love H, it. H, what's the bar snack at Elixir? Pretzels, cheap and easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's 
just like, <laughs> just like the uh, like the brass rail. You know, we we don't have well, we don't have food, although we're going to, according to the California ABC. If I'm ever going to open again, I'm going to need to sell food. If I'm going to sell cocktails to go, so we've been working on some pairings with the with a kitchen that's going to create some cool um, bar snacks. It'll be some dried meats and cheese and stuff, but it's also got to be a full. Uh, meal to get out there, but normally it's just pretzels. And what I've been doing since the beginning, it's, you know, you got to think about your margin when you're giving them away. <laughs> what kind of pretzel? It's they're they're literally just you know your typical little bar twists, the little tiny put them out in pint glasses when people you ask even, for them. That's you can't even really put those out now anymore, anyway, can you? I don't think. No, exactly. You're gonna have to go to like individual served little. You know, individual wrapped packets or something. It'd be like an airplane. You could walk around here and little peanuts, a little pretzel with peanuts, pretzels. Which one would you like today, Jennifer? That's a good job for you. You could be that. You could be the girl, the the new barmaid. Will come with bar. You'll go from bar to bar like they used to sell roses, but you'll hand out peanuts and pretzels. Carrying <laughs> uh, Copacabana in their head, imagining me in my faded glory, handing out little bag. There I am. <laughs> Sign me up. We go old school, guys. I mean, H, you're way too young to even know who those guys are. Tony, Mike. I grew up watching that. <laughs> Michael, do you know what I've been begging Tony to do with me for years? I, this is Tony. I'm going to let you go now because I promised you it would never go to this level. <laughs> Tony makes me swear and lock my keys. He takes my mouth, locks it, and takes the keys. <laughs> Right, all the year, twenty years of Tony. <laughs> I love it. I don't want to know what you've been begging Tony to do. You know what I've been begging Tony to do with me for twenty years? <laughs> what, Jennifer? What? I've been begging Tony to create a line of modern mixologist bar snack, luxury bar snack, worthy of the drinks that he makes. Well, we gave it a try. Remember. Uh... What, what did we work with? King's Ranch. Uh, and we, I remember I brought it in. I designed it. It was delicious. And I sold two bags on my website. And everybody got snack mix for Christmas that year. <laughs> this, but is I'm Tony brother, Tony. this is Carrie Simon's brother saying hello to everybody. <laughs> Doug. All right. Great show, Jennifer. Can we do this again? Can we do this again? Well, we're going to do it next week with H. He's going to come in and he's going to bring in his gorgeous fresh Victor juices. And we are going to show you how summer is not going to be summer 2020. And it will be a memorable summer unless you pick up some of the exquisite fresh squeezed juice and make some great drinks at home. This is like what the bartenders put in those wonderful squeeze bottles at the beginning of the service. What you don't know is what it took to get this in the bottle for almost every mixologist. You'd have to spend an hour squeezing and blending and juicing. Guys, talk about how hard this is to prep for a drink service in a good bar. It's an operation. I mean, you, you know, it takes it. Uh, you, you got a lot of labor cost, first of all, because you, you, you've got set up. You've got hauling cases around. You've got to use Cambros and commercial juicers and and put all that together. And then you've got on top of it, you've got inconsistency of flavor, inconsistency of quality through it's citrus or different times of the year, inconsistency in the and the final product based on who's working and who's making it. So 
those lessons learned over my, you know, 17 years at Elixir also kind of pour into that bottle where we, we, we made something that, that just makes it easy. It makes it easy for consumers and, and bars alike to crank out great tasting, consistent, fresh cocktails. And Tony, before we say goodbye to you and thank you to you, will you come on each month and give us a little teaser when it's time to sign up for these classes? Because I don't want anyone to miss out on these kits and these classes because you are like having a PhD level master class in mixology literally every single month. Well, thank you, Jen. I'd be, I'd be as long as we can make a drink together, I would love that. And uh, as you mentioned, you can go to my website, themodernmixologist.com for updates on upcoming classes. And anyone who'd like to join us on Wednesday, the 22nd, it's 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 o'clock on the East Coast. We're going to make muddled and swizzled cocktails. And I'd uh, love to share a cocktail with uh, each and every one of you. And uh, I'm going to raise my glass to you both and to you all and say. Thank you, gentlemen. H, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Good to see you, Tony. Good to see you, brother. Happiness. Right. Tony, I love you. Thank you for spending time with us today. Mm. Thanks. This was delicious. Thanks, Tony. I love you. Jennifer, you did it again. You know what you did again? I'm afraid to ask. You did it again. You went, no. over, you went over time and you didn't wrap it. No, I'm just kidding. Great show. Jennifer, have a fabulous weekend. Hey, listen, I want to tell people two things. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the world-famous wine collection of Ben Ichinozzi that was- Yeah, we never, by the way, we never talked about how funny the name Ichinozzi is. I know. We never, like, we respected that. And then yeah, I read something about it. And I'm thinking, is that really his name, Ichinozzi? Yes. Because when we were talking about it, I wanted to say- I'm probably pronouncing it poorly. I apologize. Ichi but what no about Ichitushi? Like, what, what if that was your name? Ichitushi? Listen, I'm going to tell you, anybody that can put a collection together, the likes of which is being auctioned off right now, we're going to talk about it on Monday. Mm -hmm. But you can go right now to Christie's com and look up the collection and literally the greatest wines in the world are up for sale right this very minute there are some bargains to be had so make sure you take a look at it but if you want to learn about the world of wine that has gotten us up to this point mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what the best wines in the world actually are mm -hmm. they're for sale right this minute on christie's.com mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fantastic well thank you jennifer for that bit of, little tidbit of information and we will let's and we will see. Okay, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm just doing. I'm doing whatever the kids want. That's what we do here. We do what the kids want. Because my first child, it was she was raised in my world. For some reason, this one, it's I'm raised in his. What do you want me to say? Count your blessings. Don't drink and drive and make sure keep the conviviality alive. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Bon appetito.